We are so happy you're joining us on our Brentwood Church podcast. To find out more about Brentwood, go to brentwoodchurch.org. During this episode, we hear a great message that we pray will lead you to a new and deeper level with Jesus Christ. So open up your Bible or Bible app and grab a notebook or simply listen along. Nathan, and I'm the content and curriculum writer here at Brentwood Church, and I'm going to go off script less than a minute into my message. Uh, I think that some of you guys are here, and when we started singing that song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, you started feeling afraid. You started feeling a little nervous, a little uncomfortable. It's something that, that's unfamiliar. It, it rocked the boat a little bit. And I just want to say this. It's okay. Whenever God shows up and meets his people in the Bible... The first words out of his mouth, the first words out of the angel's mouth is, don't be afraid. Do not fear. So I just want to let you know, if that's you today, if if you're here and you're like, man, there's there's something here and there's something that this is interesting and and this is compelling and and this is awakening something in me that I've never felt before, but man, this is weird and awkward and scary. I just want to let you know this is a safe place. This is okay. And it's okay to be afraid, but know that fear doesn't come from God. And God has something that he wants to share with you, something he wants to do in and through you today. So I want to encourage you to lean into that. Will you pray with me? God, we know that you are here. We we know that you're everywhere, but we know that you have made your presence manifest in this room. We can feel it. God, we know that you live in our hearts and you surround us as your people. And so, Father, I pray that that today you would just make your presence known, that that you would rush into this room, that that you would cast out fear, that you would cast out doubt, that you would cast out insecurity or pride, and that you would rush in with your presence, that that we would encounter you. And it wouldn't bring fear, but it would bring freedom instead. Father, I I pray that, that you would make blind eyes see and you would soften hard hearts. That, that we would walk away from this room transformed, that, that encountering you would make us live and act and think and move differently. Thank you for being a God who lives with us and lives in us. I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so like I said, my name's Nathan. I'm the content and curriculum writer here at Brentwood, and I am super excited to get into week two of our series called Bounce Back, like Nick said. And this whole series has been based out of this one fundamental truth of human existence. If you believe in God or don't, if you believe and follow Jesus or not, you'll agree with this truth. And here's what it is. Bad things happen, right? Like, if you are a human being, if you are living and breathing, you will have great seasons of your life, but we will also run into bad seasons, pain and heartache, trial and sorrow. Life gets hard some days. So the question is, how does following Jesus, how does believing in and following him change the way we respond to those hard seasons? Does it change the way we respond to these hard seasons? And the answer is, of course, yes, it does. Jesus says as much in John 16, where he says, I have told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so this whole series is about asking, what does it look like to overcome the world? What does it look like to walk in that promise Jesus gives his followers? How do we bounce back 
when we encounter trial and sorrow. But what does that look like? What do we have to do before trial? What do we have to do during trial? What do we do after trial so that trial and sorrow, pain and heartache, hard seasons don't crush us, don't leave us bitter and broken, isolated and angry at God, but instead cause us to grow, to come back stronger and better than we were before? And last week, Pastor John talked about the worldview that we need to have if we're going to bounce back, the way we need to view and understand God and ourselves and the world around us. And this week, I'm so excited to jump in and continue talking about what we need to do to prepare to bounce back. So you can go ahead and turn or click in your Bible or Bible app to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to get there in just a couple minutes. So when I started grad school, I began to grow in two directions. The first was intellectually, which is good. That's why you go to grad school. The second direction I grew was horizontally. So it turns out that if you are writing papers late at night at 2 in the morning, whatever you're eating is bad for you. And if you do that enough, you get what's called seminary body, which is this really ugly, like soft and flabby. It's it's pasty white and kind of doughy. Nobody likes it, my wife least of all. And so I knew that I needed to do something. I, I needed to fix my problem. And so I got into long-distance trail running. It was great. I had a couple friends who did it. It was an opportunity for me to get outside, to make my body move. I could set goals. I could work towards things. I got into a community of people that I otherwise would never interact with. It was awesome. I, I still, it's one of my favorite hobbies. I still do it today. And so as I started running, I started running longer and longer races, and I started having more and more fun at races, and eventually I started branching out from races in the Lynchburg area to, to ones in the state. And a friend of mine a couple years ago said, hey, I'm going to go run the Iron Mountain Trail race in Damascus, Virginia. And I had heard it was a beautiful race. It was really inexpensive to enter. And I said, yeah, that that sounds awesome. I want to run it with you. And he was like, cool. But right after I made the decision to run the race, I made a really, really dumb decision that, that had catastrophic impacts on my performance on race day. And here's what I did. I decided I didn't actually want to train. Whenever, like, a a block popped up in my calendar that said, go run, all of a sudden, I found myself sitting on my couch watching Netflix. I was like, I should be running right now, but I guess I have to binge watch. I don't remember what I was binge watching then. Or worse, I would go running, but I would run to McDonald's, or I would run to Sheets, or I would run to some place where the food is not made for athletic performance. So when I towed the start line of Iron Mountain... I was showing up relying more on raw talent than on training. And guess what I found out that day? I don't have any raw talent. (laughs) I asked myself, I was like, "Uh, how hard can it be? I've run lots of races like this. The answer when you ask yourself that question is really hard. So I start running. And way earlier in the race than I should, I'm like, I don't feel good. Like, I feel weak, I feel tired, I feel lightheaded, and less than halfway through the race, I'm over on the side of the trail like this, and what's inside of my stomach, I'll stop there. But my friends are doing what good friends do in moments like that, which is they're pulling out their cell phones and taking video and laughing at me. So I managed to, if I said I ran to the next aid station, that would be a lie. I got myself to the next aid station and quit. I dropped out. I was like, I am done. I have... I have had the worst day of my life so far. And I get to the finish line. They, they put me in a car and they drive me to the finish line. And I watch my other friends finish. And when they cross the finish line, I ask them a question. Hey, how far did you run in training? And the answer I got was three, four, five times the weekly mileage that I was running. 
And right there, I had my answer. I, I mean, I knew why I didn't finish, but it was told to me. I didn't train. I, I did not train for this race. I didn't prepare for this race. And so when I ran into difficulties on my race, I couldn't overcome them. My race was over. While my friends who did train, who did prepare, they had just as many low moments, just as many obstacles that they had to face, but their training allowed them to overcome those obstacles, and they finished. We all get this, right? Like, we all understand this. This is another one of those fundamental truths of the universe that no one disagrees with, right? We can't overcome what we're not prepared for. We all get this. I know I'm not saying anything new or profound or deep, but this is why students, in theory, study and do their homework. This is why sports teams and athletes train and work out in the gym and practice. This is why armies train and practice, because we all understand that we can't overcome what we're not prepared for. If you don't study, you'll fail the test. If you don't practice and work out, you won't win the game. If you don't train, you won't finish the race. We all get this. But what's true in our normal day-to-day -day lives is just as true in our spiritual lives as well. And this is where we don't like to talk about it. This is where things get uncomfortable for us. This is something we don't like to acknowledge as much. Because when we start talking about spiritual training and spiritual preparation, it's like, ooh, that sounds like you're trying to earn your salvation or you're trying to, to work for something or get something from God based on your own good deeds. Or we sit there and we say, like, man, that, that's what super Christians do. Like, this, this whole idea of spiritual training. I, I'm good. Like, God did something in me, and now I'm okay. Why, why do I have to do anything more? Or we look at our lives, and we're like, yeah, spiritual training. I did that, like, six years ago. I, I had this really intense season of growth, and, man, I, I'm, I'm on that. Like, that's, that's what changed my life. But we can't overcome what we're not prepared for. And that's just as true in our spiritual lives as it is in our day-to-day. -day. And so what happens? We, we don't train. We don't prepare spiritually and then we don't bounce back. Because Jesus tells us that trial and sorrow is coming. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. The question is, how are we going to respond to it? And if we don't respond to it, if we don't prepare beforehand, we won't bounce back. We won't overcome our trial and sorrow. We'll wind up bitter and isolated, broken, crushed, cut off from God, angry at him. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, how do we prepare to bounce back? If we can't overcome what we're not prepared for, what does that preparation actually look like? Well, the good news is the Bible gives us an answer. It gives us a picture of that preparation. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we know what that is. We just don't do it. And I'm going to talk a little bit more. We'll, we'll get to why we don't do it in a little bit. But the, the, one of the big pictures of what it looks like to train and prepare to bounce back is found in Ephesians chapter 6. We, you can flip there right now. So in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he's writing to them to talk about how believing and following Jesus changes their identity. And here's, here's what Paul says. He says, if you believe and follow Jesus, then your identity is going to be a little bit different. You, believing and following Jesus changes the way you interact with each other. It changes the way you interact with the world. It changes the way you interact with your spouse. It changes the way you interact with your coworkers. And then at the very end of the chapter, at the very end of the book in chapter 6, he says, it changes the way you interact with trial and sorrow. And look at what he says in verse 10. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. 
For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And we talked about this a little bit last week, right? Pastor John talked about how we have to recognize the reality of evil. We have to recognize that evil is real and evil exists. But I want to go back to this for just a moment because I want to draw something new out of it. Because here's, here's the temptation for us as followers of Jesus, right? The temptation is that we, we look at our lives and we say, okay, here's what believing and following Jesus looks like. I show up to church on a Sunday morning. I hear some awesome music. I hear some mediocre preaching. I put some money in the plate. I go back home. And then when I go home, I don't smoke, drink, or chew or go with girls who do. I stay away from sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And then when I die, I go to heaven. That's what following Jesus looks like. If we were to do a, like a Jimmy Kimmel man on the street interview, that's probably what most people would say. Like, hey, describe what it looks like to believe and follow Jesus. But Paul says something totally different in these verses. Paul pulls back the curtain in these verses and says, oh, you have no idea. You, you think that's what believing and following Jesus looks like? Oh, you're so wrong. Here's what believing and following Jesus actually looks like. Every single morning that you wake up, you are at war. That's what Paul tells us. He says every single morning that we wake up as followers of Jesus, we are in the middle of a battle. The, the world, the flesh, and the devil are all conspiring to try to crush us, to try to destroy us, to try to separate us from God and his people, to make us angry and broken and bitter. And we are in the middle of a battle every single day. And that can be scary. Like, I don't want to stand up here and say, like, oh, and so that's just, you know, that's normal. Have a good Sunday. Enjoy Golden Corral. Like, no, that's, that's hard. That's scary. That, that makes us nervous and afraid. I, I have people in my life who have the spiritual gift of discerning spirits. Like, I, I do. And they're, they're these people who can walk into a room and say, like, man, the, the enemy is doing something here. Like, there, there are dark forces at foot, and we need to, we need to do something against that. Or they, they see people and they're like, there, there is something, their behavior isn't normal. It's demonically influenced. Or there is oppression taking place in their life. And when they say that, I have two options, right? The, the first option is to tell myself a story and to go, you're crazy. Like, that weirds me out and I don't want to acknowledge that and I don't want to deal with that. So I'm going I'm to tell myself a different story. Like, you're crazy or that's not actually the explanation, or I can lean in. And that's uncomfortable and that's hard. And as soon as I lean in, here's what happens. I say, okay, so if that's true, if there really are dark forces in the world around me, if we really are in the middle of a battle, and this is what Paul asks us to do, then how do I protect myself and how do I fight back? Like if, if we really are in the middle of a battle, then we need to protect ourselves and we need to fight back against this battle. We don't want to just live our lives defenseless. And that's what Paul tells us in these first couple verses. When you realize that you're at war, we recognize our need to fight back and be protected. So what does that actually look like? How do we actually do that? Well, Paul tells us that in the next few verses. In Ephesians 6.13, he says, therefore. And that's an important word. What's the therefore, therefore? Paul's referring back to the verses we just read. He says, hey, when you recognize that you are in the middle of a battle, when you recognize that the world, the flesh, and the devil are conspiring to crush you, and you realize that you need to fight back and be protected, here's how you do that. Put on every piece of God's armor 
so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Paul's giving us the way we fight back, the way we protect ourselves. He says, look, this isn't just a one-time thing. This is a process. You start out beforehand. You put on your armor beforehand. And then during the battle, your armor protects you. And that means that after the battle, you can still stand firm. You've grown. You bounce back from trial rather than getting crushed and getting broken and getting destroyed. So what does that armor look like? Well, look at what Paul says in the next few verses. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor. That's important. We'll get back to that. Of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Paul gives us these tools to bounce back. He says, this, these are the tools that God has given you to, to fight and protect yourself in this battle you find yourself in. He says, when, when you find yourself in a situation where you're like, is God really good? And you're wondering, like, is, is God here? Does God see me? He says, no, no, no. Go back to that moment when God changed your life, when he rescued you from the power of sin and death and evil through the resurrection of his son, Jesus. Go back to that moment when your life was changed and say, no, I know God changed my life then, and so I know he hasn't forgotten me. Let salvation protect your mind. Paul says, when, when you run into a season where you're like, does God care? Is God good? Does God see me? Can God act in this situation? Can can he rescue me from this? Paul says, wrap yourself in truth. Wrap yourself in the truth that God is all-powerful, and God is all-good, and God does see you, and God has acted in the past, and he will act again. These are the tools that Paul gives us to bounce back. But here's the thing. These tools that Paul lists, there are so many more of them that Paul doesn't list. Paul just lists a couple. We have this gathering This is a tool that we can use to fight against the battle that we're in, to defend ourselves. We come together, we sing, we pray, we worship, we serve. This this is a tool that we can use to bounce back, to fight against the enemy and protect ourselves. But here's the danger with these tools. The danger is that we'll look at them and we'll say, you know what, these tools prevent trial and sorrow. They don't protect me in them. See, because we can look at these tools and we can say, well, if I just do them enough, if I just worship enough, if I train spiritually enough, if I give enough, if I read my Bible enough, if I show up to church enough, then that means nothing bad will ever happen to me. Paul says that's, that's not the case. Bad things will happen. These tools are just designed to protect you in those bad things. Because when Paul's writing this letter, he's in prison. He, he is in jail for sharing the good news of Jesus. He's, he's being persecuted for his faith. Like, Paul's training didn't prevent that, but it protected him in it. These tools that he's sharing with the Ephesian church that he uses didn't prevent him from getting jailed, but it prevented him in prison from saying, you know what, God doesn't see me. I am alone. God has forgotten me. I'm just going to get bitter, and I'm going to die. No, instead, Paul says, these tools define reality. These tools tell me that I have been rescued from death, and so I can live differently. That Jesus' death and resurrection proves that these sufferings have meaning and have value, and I know that God is all good, and I know that he's all powerful, and I know that he's going to use this to build his kingdom. And the same is, is true for us. 
God has given us all of these tools to bounce back and to protect ourselves in trial and sorrow, to prepare for trial and sorrow. And Paul compares these tools to body armor. And I actually have some body armor with me uh, because like most millennials, I have a side hustle. Uh, I don't drive for Uber or do ClickList or anything like that. Instead, I am in training to be a chaplain in the Air Force. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. Some of you haven't. But as a chaplain in the Air Force, I've had the opportunity to go through different training programs that brought this passage to life in a whole new way. So back in the summer of 2016, the Air Force insisted that I spend some time running through the woods in Georgia wearing body armor. And, and it, it gave me a whole new perspective on what Paul was saying here. Because see, when, when they issue you body armor, they don't just give you a thing of body armor already assembled. No, instead what they do is they give you a bunch of pieces and they make you put it together. So they give us all of the different pieces of our armor, and then we take it into a classroom... We start putting our armor together. We've got them all on these big tables out in front of us, and we're, we're finding out what each component does and what each piece does and how they all fit together to protect us. And in that moment, my instructor makes this really, really simple but really profound statement. He says, just so you guys know, this is the most comfortable your armor will ever be. And I, I, I kind of brushed that off. I didn't really understood, understand what he was saying until we actually had to put on our armor. Because here's the thing. Right now, this armor is super comfortable. This armor is, not, this armor is not making it difficult for me to move. It's not making it difficult for me to walk. It doesn't hurt me at all. But if someone were to come in and shoot me in the chest, please don't try. If someone were to come in and shoot me in the chest, this armor doesn't do me any good right now. Like, it's available, but it's not effective. And for this to be effective, I actually have to put it on and wear it. So there's going to be a moment of awkward silence while I put this on because I have to put the mic down. For this to be effective, I have to have it on. And the moment I put this armor on, it gets uncomfortable. You're going to hear me start breathing heavily in a couple minutes. Because see, this is an extra 40 pounds of steel and fabric it pinches my neck and shoulders. It, it makes my back hurt. It makes it hard to, to breathe. It, it makes it harder to do anything. As soon as we put our armor on and had to, I don't know, get in and out of a car, crawl, pick someone else up, climb over a wall, don't even think about going to the bathroom. <laughs> Everything was harder. But it wasn't enough for us to just put our armor on and stand around in it. We actually had to go train in it. We had to learn how to fight in it. We had to learn how to move in our armor. Because if we didn't, what would happen? If we didn't train in our armor and we didn't know how to use it, on the day when we needed to use it for real, it wouldn't help us. It would actually hurt us. And so we went out into the Georgia woods during the summer and faced mosquitoes the size of birds. And we crawled through stuff and, and jumped over things and we sweat and it was miserable. But that whole time, none of us ever said, why are we doing this? No, we all understood exactly why we were doing it. We were getting really, really uncomfortable now so that when the day came when we needed it for real, we wouldn't face the pain of getting shot in the chest. We, we chose to sweat in training so that we didn't bleed in battle. And the same is true for us. 
The same is true for the armor that God gives us. See, the the armor that God gives us is uncomfortable. I'm not going to stand up here and, and lie to you and say, like, hey, growing spiritually is really comfortable. No, it requires us to get out of our comfort zone. It requires us to do things that are hard. But if we don't, if we choose comfort now, when we run into a situation where we're facing trial and sorrow, we're going to be a whole lot less comfortable. And here's the other thing. It's really easy for us to sit there and say, like, I only want to wear some of the armor. Like, there are some things that I like doing as a follower of Jesus. Like, man, I love coming in to church on a Sunday. Don't ask me to pray out loud. Man, I love being in community. I love reading books. Don't ask me to raise my hands in worship. Like, man, I love the music that's here. Don't ask me to give. Don't ask me to serve. Like, we all have that thing that we don't want to do. Like, man, why can't I just do the fun parts of following Jesus? Well, that's like only wearing part of your armor. If I decide that I don't want to wear this side strap, yeah, it's easier for me to breathe. But now my armor doesn't fit right. I have a huge vulnerability. See, we have to wear all of our armor all the time as followers of Jesus. We don't get to pick and choose what parts we want to wear. Because if we do, we're not protected. And so we, as followers of Jesus, have to put on our armor daily. We have to put on all of our armor. And we have to know and train in our armor because that's how we prepare to bounce back. We prepare to bounce back by knowing and training in our armor. All of our armor all of the time. And now I'm going to take this off, and there's going to be another moment of awkward silence, so why don't you give God some praise? So here's the thing. I think if some of you are really honest with yourselves, that's you. I think if some of you get really honest with yourselves... Your armor is on the table. If, if some of you really look at your life, yeah, you believe and follow Jesus, and you've believed and followed Jesus for a long time, and you've had divine encounters, and you've had transformative moments. But if you look at your life now, your armor's on the table. You decided that, that you wanted to get comfortable. You decided that, you know, there are parts of following Jesus that, that I really don't want to do. Like, man, I'd, I'd really rather not take that step. Like, life is good. Life is easy. Why do I need to do these hard and uncomfortable things now? You, you look at yourself and you're like, yeah, you know, this is available. Like, if, I, if something bad happens, yeah, I could start praying. I could get into community. Yeah, I could, I could do all these things. I could, I could worship when I need to. But right now, I really don't. And your armor's on the table. You're, you're defenseless right now. And here's what you're doing. When you decide to leave your armor on the table, you're saying, you know what? I'm going to choose comfort now and accept discomfort later. And the discomfort later is going to be a lot worse. So I want to challenge you guys today. I want to challenge you to start to train your ability to bounce back. And when we talk about spiritual training, again, we're like, oh, that's for super Christians, or I'm trying to earn something that only God can do. No, that's not what this is at all. This is just about establishing good habits now, when life is easy, when life is good, when you're not in a season of trial and heartache, so that when you enter into that season of trial and sorrow, you have something to fall back on. You're you're choosing your pain. I won't lie to you. I won't say that it's easy. I won't say that it's comfortable. But what you're saying is, I would rather go through the discomfort now of establishing these habits than go through the pain later 
of running into trial and sorrow without any tools to protect myself. And this doesn't have to be some sort of big, grandiose project. Like, we think, oh, spiritual training. Let me go read my Bible in a week and live on a mountaintop and whip myself. Like, no. No, it's, it's about small steps. What if, what if instead of listening to the radio on your commute, you listen to worship music? What if you established a habit? What if you established sacred space in your life? where you could talk to and hear from God when life is good, when you can sit there and say, like, hey, God, thank you. You're awesome. Like, man, thank you for my job, and thank you for my car, and thank you for my house, and thank you for what you're doing in my family. And you have that habit of knowing that God listens to you and you hear from him so that when you go through a season of pain and heartache and you're like, where is God? You know. You know where he is. You still hear from him. Or when you don't, you know that you'll hear from him again. What if instead of reading Harry Potter for the 90th time at the beach... This summer, you were to read that, that devotion that your friend's like, you have to read this. It's so good. It's so life-changing. And you establish a habit of filling yourself with stuff from God, with the things of God. You, you listen to, to God's word and God's people. What if you were to start serving this summer? Yeah, it's, it's inconvenient. You have to rearrange your schedule. You have to stay at church a little bit later. But what if you were to do that now so that you got yourself into a habit of serving God's people, of being others-focused when life is good so that when life isn't, you can fall back on that and you don't find yourself isolated and bitter and angry? What if you were to get in community? What if, what if you were to join a group of people? Yeah, it's, it's awkward. Like, it's a bunch of people that you've never met before. And they're all sitting in a living room, and you're supposed to share your deepest, darkest secrets, and you got to get vulnerable, and it's weird sometimes. But man, here's what happens when you do that. You establish relationships with people who can sit there and say, like, hey, a couple months ago, you seemed different. Like, everything seemed good, and now you seem, you seem like you're not in a good place. What's going on? I mean, community is what brought my wife and I to Brentwood. We've, we've been in community for as long as we've been at this church. And we've, we have seen incredible things take place in our community groups. We've, we've had great moments of celebration. But we've walked through some rough stuff with our, our group members. We've walked through the, the loss of children, the loss of jobs, the loss of family members, health crises. Like, we've walked through rough seasons in each other's marriages. And when I, when I think of those moments, I think of a question that Brett Club used to ask when he was running the community life department. We'd hear these stories of these moments where community group members just like stepped into to hurting people's lives. And it's like, man, this, this member of our community group was in the hospital. So we drove up to Charlottesville and we all got into the room. And we all laid hands on them and prayed. And, and we saw this miraculous healing. Like, man, this, this couple was ready to get a divorce. They, they had the papers ready to go. And we got around them and we prayed for them. And we got them into counseling. And, and they, they decided they were going to fight for their marriage. Brett used to ask this question. He would say, how would that story be different if they weren't in community. And I think about that in my own life. I think about the seasons that I've walked through. And it's like, man, how would that have been different if I didn't have people around me who would pray for me and who would support me and who would point me back to God when I wasn't looking for him? And I don't like the answer. And so maybe that's your first step. Maybe your first step in preparing to bounce back is to just start serving or get connected to community or, or start establishing these patterns and rhythms. 
And man, if that's you, when, when we dismiss and when we walk out, go up to the next steps nook and tell one of the world changers, like, man, this is my next step. And they would love to, to help you walk into that. But maybe you, you look at your life and you're like, I've, I've plateaued. I have decided to get comfortable. My armor is on the table. And if you get really, really honest with yourself, like, I don't, I don't want to put it back on. I don't want to deal with the, with the discomfort of following Jesus. I don't, want to, I don't want to deal with what I know God has for me next. I, I don't want to take that next step because it's hard or it's scary or it requires me to, to repent of something or to confess of something or to cut something out of my life. I don't want to do that. And it's had you trapped and it's had you stuck. And so maybe today your first step in putting your armor back on is just coming down to the front and repenting and confessing something and saying, like, man, I, I need this church to get around me and to, to help me be free from this. And our, our elders and care and response team would love to pray for you. But I believe there are some of you that are here today. And I believe that when we started talking about being at war, being in the middle of a battle, feeling like you're, you're under attack, you, you zoned in. Man, you knew exactly what that was like. Because that's been your reality. It's been your reality for as long as you can remember. It, you don't believe in and follow Jesus. You don't even know if there is a God, but somehow you found yourself here today. A friend invited you. You, you just walked in here to, to see what all the commotion was. And, and you're here and you're like, yep, I, I am in the middle of a war. And today, your, your first step is to believe and follow Jesus for the first time because he's the only one that can give you the protection that you need. He's the only one that can, can rescue you from that. Like, you, you've, you've tried to rescue yourself on your own. You, you've tried to rescue yourself with, with addiction or with relationships or with, with family, with your own grit. You, you've tried to escape and protect yourself with, with suicide or with drugs or... Self-medication, like you, you know what, what you've been trying to, to use to fix yourself, to, to protect yourself in this, to, to find some meaning for your suffering from the season of life that you're in. And it just hasn't worked. And you don't know what to do. Well, today, you're here to hear what God has to say to you, and that's that, that he can do what you can't do on your own. He, he can rescue you when you can't. He can give you that safety and that, that peace that you're looking for. But it starts with you deciding to believe in and follow him. And if that's you today, man, I would love to help you take that step. So if you could bow your heads and close your eyes. If today you know that you need to believe and follow Jesus, that that, that is, is what God has brought you into this room to do today, I want to help you do that. And it's, it's through a prayer. The, the words of the prayer aren't magical. They're not what, what changes your life. It's just the decision that you've made that, that you are putting into words in this prayer. So you can pray this with me in, in your own words or, or with what I say. Just pray, God, I have been running away from you. I, I, am, I am in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a battle I feel so naked and alone, so, so vulnerable, so hopeless. And God, I have tried to fix that on my own, and it hasn't worked. 
God, I've, I've tried to fix it on my own strength and my own power, and it keeps failing. So God, today I'm done trying to, to fix myself because I know I can't. But Jesus, I believe that you can. I believe that in coming and dying and then rising again, you've done what I can't do. You, you have defeated the, the power of sin and death and evil that's caused this storm in my life. And so, Jesus, today, I want you to do what I can't do and to rescue me and to defend me and to fight for me. And I'm willing to follow you for the rest of my life as you continue to do that and you continue to rescue me and set me free and give my life meaning when I walk into these seasons of trial and sorrow. So, Jesus, today, I choose to believe in and follow you with every head still bowed and every eye still closed, if today you decided to pray that prayer, would you be bold and would you raise your hand so that our care and response team can see you? We want to connect with you. We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you take your next steps as you follow Jesus. Awesome. You guys can go ahead and all stand and look up at me. If today you decided to believe and follow Jesus and we didn't see your hand, here's what I want you to do. When we respond, come forward to one of the members of the care and response team and just say, I I made that decision today. And and they want to help you take your next steps. If today you, you are in the middle of a storm and you believe in and follow Jesus... Man, let let this church be the church. Use the the armor and the tools that God has given you. Come come down to the front and take communion. Let let our elders and care and response team pray over you. Pray the armor of God for you. Help you pick that back up again. I get it. When we go through these seasons, it's hard. And sometimes we need other people to, to do what we can't do on our own strength, to sit there and say, like, no, God does see you. And if that's you today, man, come come down to the front. But I think there are some of you who, who man, you've, you've just got, you've got something in your life. You, you've, you've decided to, to become apathetic and to become comfortable. And today, you, you just need to, to let go of that. You need to repent of that. You need to respond to what God is doing. And by respond, I don't mean tell yourself a story by sitting in your seats and saying, like, yeah, I'll do something differently. No, I mean respond. Come down to the front. Make today a memorial. Make today the day that your life was different because you encountered God. And so as we sing, I want to invite you to respond. I want to invite you to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit asks you to do. And then let's go out and let's go change the world. so much for listening today. We believe that everyone has a next step towards Jesus and we'd love to help you take yours. Email us at hello at brentwoodchurch.org or visit our website brentwoodchurch.org slash next steps. Until next time, go change the world.